Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 this morning. I'm starting a new series. I love series. And uh, sometimes it's hard on Christmas to, to preach because Christmas messages are challenging. I don't know why, but they are. And I've been caught up in the uh, thought this morning, almost was late for Sunday school, thinking about the message and uh, what it's all about. And so I'm going to preach on from the cradle to the cross to the crown. It's going to be a series, and I'm going to start with the cradle. And it's from the cradle to the cross to the crown, and I'm telling you, that's what it's all about. Jesus came to die that you might live. And folks, there is no greater reason uh, for Christmas. There is no other reason. Amen. This is, uh, it's not about Santa Claus. It's not about those F's that pop up everywhere. I hadn't understood that yet. And I'm not going to preach against all that. Y'all can do whatever you want to. I don't care as long as you don't put them before God. Amen. Um, it's not about just getting presents. It's more about giving presents. And thank you for bringing all those gifts to our children. And they're going to have a wonderful time Wednesday night. And I hope we have enough, and probably 1,500 people are going to show up that uh, wasn't registered, and we're going to be in real real shape. But I appreciate Miss uh, Janet's organization on that, and please, you got six hours to get your gift in by tonight, 6 o'clock sharp, amen? And um, I love that song by Charles Wackoff. Uh I believe it's called What a Lovely Name. Uh, I wish the choir would sing this when you get back to singing. I also got next year's Christmas song for you. I found it this morning, but I can't find the music, and I can't even find the lyrics. You said, well, how did you find the song? Because I heard a Filipino choir sing it, and it was unreal. It's called From the Cradle to the Cross. Now, there's several versions of that song. This is a unique one, amen, and it's in Filipino. No, not really. I wouldn't have got a blessing out of it, I guarantee you. But um, uh, I'm looking forward to the choir singing, What a Lovely Name. It goes like this, there is a name above all others, wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer, it's the lovely name of Jesus, evermore the same, what a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus, reaching higher far than the brightest star, sweeter than, than the songs they sing in heaven, let the world proclaim, what a lovely name, Jesus. It's a wonderful name, Jesus. God help you if you ever take that name in vain or God's name in vain. He's more than just a swear word. Say amen. Thank God for that. He is God Almighty. He's Jesus. I got a Christmas card, or my wife and I got a Christmas card. It's a beautiful Christmas card. And we put them on the windows. That's how we get around decoration. Just keep on bringing those cards, and we'll put them on the windows. Amen. But it says, when you realize who he is, you will understand why he came. When you realize who he is, you will understand why he came. That sums up Christmas. So let's stand on the word of God. Mary's a peasant. She's not to be worshipped above any other woman or any other man. And all you ex-Catholics say amen right there. Well, that wasn't a very good amen. Amen. Y'all must have still got one foot back in it. No, he... Uh, uh, Mary is not to be worshipped. Mary is not the mediator between us and God. Only Jesus is the is the mediator between us and God. But Mary's mind her own business. She's a peasant girl because she had to bring turtle doves uh, to um, 
to sacrifice, which means she was very poor. And um, she couldn't rent a fancy house, so she had to rent an inn. And then there was no room in the inn, and she had to go to a stable out back. And that's where our Lord was born, in a, in a manger. That's a manger. I believe that's a manger. A cradle. The Bible says that the angel came to Mary and gave her the news. And you would be shocked, too, if you was a virgin, that you was going to have a baby. The Bible says in verse 26, Luke chapter 1, you with me? The physician Luke wrote this in detail. He was a doctor. And look at verse 26. He says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. How many believe that? Say amen. And you say, well, I don't understand it. You can't trace God. You've got to trust him. It says, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, that's a key, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, here's a salutation that shook her, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is among, with thee, blessed art thou among women. Didn't say above women, she's not to be worshipped. Come on. And it says, and when she saw him, I'm talking about the angel. She was troubled at his saying. And you would have been too. And, ca and cast in her mind what matter of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That's the definition of grace, by the way. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus, all caps. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest overshadoweth thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, life begins at conception, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, the cousin Elizabeth, she hath conceived a son in her old age, John the Baptist. And this is the sixth month with her, who, who was called barren. And it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I want to preach on Jesus. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the good psalm. Bless my heart, the way it was done, the words that uh, were brought across through this message. And Lord, we know that you are not only the reason for the season, your reason for life. And your only way, way to be saved and your only way to go to heaven when we die. And your only way to have peace, joy, and purpose on this earth and goodwill towards men before we die. So Lord, please bless this message. If there's one that's lost, help them to get saved. And Lord, if there's one that uh, needs to get right with God and letting the things of this season get ahead of God, Lord, may we rededicate our life 
and have the proper priority of Jesus, Lord of our life. So Lord, please use this message. Help me with what I've studied and God, may people pay attention for the next 30 minutes. Lord, we'll go away from here saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' precious name above all other names, the name whereby we're saved, amen. What a lovely name, Jesus. The word Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. When Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, over 2,000 years ago, there was a lot of children that were named Jesus. Um, a fellow recently in our church named Jesus got saved. I believe in Spanish, y'all help me out, uh, Salvador and others. I believe that means Jesus. Jesus. He got saved. And then about a couple weeks later, his uh, brother got saved. You know what his name was? Christian, <laughs> amen, they can live up to their name, amen, we ought to be Christians when we get saved, amen, that means Christ-like, but I want you to see that Jesus, folks, was unique, and the virgin birth was very unique, especially to the one that was about to have this baby, that had been with no man, Joseph got so upset, he thought he was going to have to divorce her. That's what they did in Bible days before real marriage. They had an engagement or betrothal, and if they were found unfaithful, they were they had a bill of divorcement. They never got to the marriage ceremony. Uh, and so he was very upset. Um, and so uh, God came to him and told him, don't put her away. Don't divorce her. Don't have her stoned. It was pretty serious marriage back then. Um, for this is a child from the Lord and a child with a purpose. And so after the baby was born, when he was about eight days old, we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, this couple obeyed God. It says, and when the eighth day was accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, all capital letters, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I'm glad we have some obedient parents. Uh, they didn't call him Joseph Jr. They called him Jesus. Amen. And folks, I want to examine this lovely name, this name above all others, just for a few minutes. And that'll be our first message in, uh, on the cross or the cradle to the cross to the crown. Let me just say this right up front. If you're not born again, you'll never understand the birth of Christ. Can I say that one more time? If you're not born of the Spirit, you won't understand anything about this Bible like you could understand because we have a resident teacher, John 14, 26, called the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is a spiritual thing. This is not some intellectual lecture this morning. Some of y'all look like y'all come here, like Brother Al said, to get out of class. Folks, we shouldn't come to leave. We ought to come to be blessed. Say amen. And if y'all wasn't in Sunday school, you probably don't understand the frame of reference on that. But folks, I know every time I was in college or high school, I was looking at the clock. And you say, what are you majoring in? I was majoring in getting out. <laughs> Amen. That was it. Praise God. I really had some high aspirations. Get out of the class. But amen. Look, first of all, I want you to see his name declares his identity. Um, you need to realize, as this Christmas card said, uh, until you understand who he is, 
you will not understand why he came. And you won't understand what Christmas is all about. You'll think it's just about some fat man trying to squeeze down your chimney. Mine stopped up. I don't know what I'm going to do. Amen. It's a guy, I got a gas logs. I mean, the damper's closed. He can't get down that thing. I know he can't. Amen. If he does, I want to stay up and watch it. But that's not what Christmas is all about. Some of your parents are getting real nervous when I start dealing with that. I know. Amen. But anyway, we won't, we won't crucify uh, Santa Claus. Amen. I'll never forget the time that my youth pastor, when I was assistant pastor down in uh, Claxton, Georgia, burnt Santa Claus at the stake at the junior church. And my pastor blamed me for doing that because it made, it made national headlines in Claxton, Georgia, the whole town. I mean, the guy was a nut. And I said, don't look at me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't endorse that. But I almost got fired. I'd have never been your pastor because I'd been out of the ministry uh, unless I'd convinced him that this guy, that, that was his own initiative. And so we're not going to burn Santa Claus tonight. I mean, we're not even going to put him on stake. But uh, folks, listen, Jesus is what it's all about. It's who it's all about. We ought to get enthroned about Jesus. We ought to get excited about Jesus. Don't apologize for being a Christian. That's why these baptisms are important. You're saying, hey, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm brave enough to proclaim it and confess it, and I have problems with anybody that says, hey, I'm saved, but they never say they're saved. They never show they're saved. They never live they're saved. Folks, it's more what you live than what you say. And baptism says a whole lot. Death, burial, and resurrection. i got to hurry. Number one, he is the Son of God. Listen, the Bible says in verse 33, here's the angel coming to the virgin. She's shocked. She's scared. In the Old Testament, when an angel showed up, usually somebody died. I would have died of a heart attack. <laughs> I, mean, I guarantee you I would have. But look at this, verse 33. It says, and uh, let's, go, let's back on up to verse 31. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Shall be called the son of the highest. Folks, listen. He is the son of God. He's not just Jesus. He's not just another Jesus. He's not a person named just named Jesus. He's the eternal son of God who existed before time and all eternity. And he stepped into time and he stepped into flesh and he, and he was born in the womb of a virgin. He could have chose any way to come to this earth, but he chose to come by way of the womb. That shows the preciousness of family. It shows the preciousness of children, of parents. But folks, listen, the ancient prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled in one person, Jesus. Look at Isaiah chapter 7. I love prophecy, don't you? Because some people don't believe the Bible until you get back to the Old Testament and see that the New Testament fulfilled the Old Testament exactly. I mean, minutely. Even Wednesday, I said that taxes was a fulfillment of the Scripture because it brought him to Bethlehem. And 912 years before the fact, Micah said that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Tax brought him there, brought him to be born in Bethlehem. But look at Isaiah. Seven. I'm in 47. That's not going to do. Isaiah 7, and I want you to look at verse, um, oh my, I could read this whole chapter. Look at verse 4. I say unto him, take heed and be quiet. 
Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two uh, tails of these uh, smoking firebrands, um, for the fierce anger of reason in Syria and the son of Ramah. And it goes on down to say in verse 7, Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it uh, come to pass. Folks, for the head of Syria and Damascus, and the head of Damascus is raisin, and within the threescore and five years from Ephraim, broken, that is not uh, people. And the head of Ephraim, Samaria, and the head of Samaria, was Ephraim's son, it shall all be leaves, surely ye shall not be established. Talking about uh, the sign uh, of Azar. But look at this in verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spake again to Azar, saying, Ask thee a sign, listen now, ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God, ask if either in the depths or the heights thereof. And Ahaz said, I will not ask neither, will I tempt the Lord? And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Folks, that means God with us. 742 years before the fact, Isaiah gives the prophecy that his name's going to be called Emmanuel. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew 1, 23. I hope this don't bore you preaching on Jesus. But I'll try to I'll try to get right to the main line. But Matthew chapter one, and I want you to look at verse twenty-three. You know the verse, but I want you to circle it. I want you to let it be engraved in your heart. One twenty-one says this: Thou shalt bring forth a son; thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Listen, to verse twenty-three. Behold. A virgin, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Jesus is the Son of God. Can I have an amen? Or at least a raising of the little finger or something because he is so wonderful. Matter of fact, I want all of you at home watching by way of internet to say amen to that fact. Amen. I can't hear you, but somebody in your family can. He is the Son of God. He's God in human flesh. He is, and He always has been, and always will be, God. He's the I am, not the I was. He's not the I'm going to be. He is the I am. When you say the name of Jesus, you're saying God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. And then number two, his name is the King of Israel. Look at verse 32. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. The baby born to a humble people with humble means, but praise God, he was a direct descendant of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the King David. On Joseph's side. Amen. Look at this. More than that, he would be fulfillment of God's promise to King David 1,000 years ago. Look at 2 Samuel. I hope prophecy doesn't bore you. I really hope you got your Bible. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to go way back in history. 2 Samuel. 
chapter 7, and I want you to look at verse 4 through 17. We read a lot of the Bible around here because the Bible is what speaks and changes our hearts. Amen. Not my illustrations, uh, not the words to a song that I got, but praise God, it's the Word of God. Amen. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible tells us that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and I want you to look at it, uh, this is of uh, 1,042 years before Jesus was born. I want you to think about that. 1,042 years before Jesus was born. It says, and it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came into Nathan, saying, verse 5, 2 Samuel 7, you with me, class? Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in, whereas I have not dwelled in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. It was a mobile temple. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I the word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye me a house of cedar? Now therefore so shall thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep, sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and when thou cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of a great man that are in the earth. Moreover, moreover, uh, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that dwell in the place of their own, and move no more, neither shall the children of the wickedness afflict them any more as before time. Now listen very closely. And since the time that I was commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that thou will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy father. I will set up my seed after thee. Folks, after you, after you die, David, I got a seed, and I will establish his kingdom. Now look at verse 13. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne and of his kingdom forever. It's a forever kingdom. And I'll be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chase him with the rod of men and the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. And I took it from Saul, whom I put away there, there before thee. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. The throne shall be established forever. And according to all these words, and according to all these visions, so did Nathan speak unto David. Folks, he said, hey, listen, after you die, Jesus is going to be the seed. And after you die, uh, I'm going to bring a virgin uh, to the place that I want him to be born. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. just want to read a lot of prophecy this morning to establish a foundation. Isaiah chapter 9. This makes me thrilled to, to see the prophecy of the virgin birth, Son of God. Isaiah chapter 9, and I want you to read with me verse 6 and 7. 9, 6 and 7. For unto him is a child, listen, for unto us a child is born, and a son is given, supernatural birth, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's the only time it's going to be straight. Amen. And it says, and his name shall be called 
wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. One more verse. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no more end, but the throne of David upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the host shall perform this. Folks, one day the king will return in glory and he will he will rule this world with a rod of iron, Revelation chapter 19. And when you say the name Jesus, you're saying he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. And then uh, verse 33, back in our text real quick. When you say the name of Jesus, he's a fulfillment of prophecy. I'll just read these verses. won't go back to all these prophecies, but I want to say this. Verse 23 says, And he shall reign, listen now, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Brings to mind the word of Jacob that he spoke in Genesis chapter 9 verse 10. He used the word Shiloh, which the word means he who is, is and not was and not going to be. He used the word gathering. It refers to obedience and cleansing and purging. When you say Jesus, you're talking about the one who perfectly fulfills every prophecy in the Word of God about Himself. Folks, listen to me. I believe with all my heart that when you say the name of Jesus, there was many people in the Old Testament, they didn't have a clue who Jesus was. But if they listened very clo closely, thousand years, two thousand years, before the fact, the name Jesus was prophesied. And then last but not least, look at verse 32, and he shall be great. When you name the name of Jesus, he's the champion of humanity. He says he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. You know, God's great and God is good all the time. And we ought to thank God that there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody greater than our Lord. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's great. He, he, folks, listen. God help us to, to, to realize all greatness comes from above. All power comes from above. And all glory should come from above. I'll never forget that guy named Muhammad Ali. Changed his name. His, name, his real name was Cassius Clay. I don't know why they changed their name like that. And he was so hooked on, he was so stuck on himself that uh, he thought he was something else. And I'll never forget the time he came down with that disease where his face and hands and life was turned turn into stone and he couldn't even lift his hand. But before he did that, he was so stuck on himself, he went on a plane and he, and, and, uh, 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 he got in first class because he was a millionaire by boxing. And he and he wouldn't he wouldn't buckle his seatbelt, and the dear stewardess came to him and said, "Hey, you need, sir, to buckle your seatbelt." And he looked at her in his, because he was the greatest, you know. He said, "Superman doesn't need to buckle up." And the waitress, waitress, thinking food already. The stewardess, the stewardess, looked at him, said. Sir, Superman don't need an airplane either. Amen? Buckle up. 
I hope he did. Folks, listen, men think, think they're something. And men want to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And some folks, we look at all that we've accomplished and the cars we drive and the houses we live in and all the things that we might have. But I want to tell you something, folks. He's the greatest. And folks, man sinned. And man fell short of the glory of God. And thanks God that all the first Adam blew and ruined by his sin, Adam and Eve, the second Adam fulfilled it all, and in Jesus we're saved. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I know this hadn't been a, a flamboyant uh, expository message, but folks, I just want to preach about Jesus for just a little while. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, one of the greatest verses in the book of Romans, it says this, Wherefore, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. That's the first Adam. Our great-great-grandparents sinned, and thus we're all sinners. We have an Adamic nature. Amen? I don't care how cute you might think you are, or how precious your baby you might think is, there's still an Adamic nature in every person, and they all need to be saved. And it says, Wherefore, by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed among all men, for that all have sinned. Folks, what the first Adam um, ruined, the second Adam came along and paid in full and gave you a chance, an opportunity of a lifetime, and that's to be saved. Let me just say, when you're thinking about the name Jesus, which is the earthly name of Jesus, you think about his poverty. Once you look at the salutation, she's in shock, she's surprised, and the angel's trying to tell her more than you're just pregnant, supernaturally. That's enough to shock you right there. He's saying, but his name will be great. His name will be Jesus. His name will be uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Son of the Most High. He is the Son of God. But also in verse 26, we see he declares his poverty. Excuse me. Yeah, verse 26. He said, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to, be, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, a virgin, virgin's name was Mary. And uh, verse 28 says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, I don't believe Mary was anything special. I know she wasn't rich because she married a carpenter. And that in the, in the days, carpenters were not rich people. And the Bible tells us the angel came to this young maiden named Mary. She engaged to a young man named Joseph. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 35, they were poor. Number one, he was poor in his birth. They didn't go to that uh, nice place called a home. A bed and breakfast was where the rich people went. They went to a seedy inn. And these inns were just places where people that were poor could rent a little bitty room. Well, there wasn't even room in that little old seedy uh, motel or hotel or inn. 
and uh, they had to go out back. An old stinking, filthy stable. How would you like to give birth to a baby in a stinking stable? And that's where she was born. He was born. He's pouring his birth in a manger, in a in a trough. I love that there was one verse in the Bible that sums up Christmas. It's found in 2 Corinthians and chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I'll try to close with this thought. I didn't say this verse, but this thought. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. The Bible says this, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved by grace. You're sustained by grace. Boy, to hear the testimony of how God was gracious to the Henderson family this week. How God was gracious to the Lance family. How God was gracious to uh, uh, the Brown family. They're 26 year old and they don't even know uh, how he was killed. Yet, Stephen preached the funeral. Wednesday, of his dear youth that graduated out of his youth department several years ago. It was hard, but God gave grace. God gave hope. The Bible says when we know the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do you need the grace of God to be saved, you need the grace of God to be sustained. I don't know about you, but I don't know how anybody's made it through the last 11 months without Christ. People are dying all around us. Hey, folks, listen. The world is in a pandemic. A worldwide virus has hit this world. And if you think it's a political um, ploy, you had not got sense to get out of the rain. Because I can tell you right now, if you'll interview the team family and the shady family and other families that are sitting home now in quarantine and they can't taste chicken, it is real. Say amen. Say it's not real. It's real if one of your loved ones have died. It's real if you're sick. Say amen. It's real. And I want to tell you something. I really believe it's a judgment to get us to think about the Lord. Brother Gabe wrote a long dissertation how God's dealing with him during this pandemic. My son, man, he had revival. Praise God. He, was, he, was, he thought he was going to die. He didn't even have a bad case, but he thought he was going to die, Brother Stephen. And he was writing all kinds of epistles on Facebook about getting right with God, doing more for God. God's opened up doors since then, and he's thrilled about serving God. He was before that. I'm going to tell you something. This pandemic can be a plus. It can make you realize life's short at the longest, that you never know when you're going to die. You never know when you're going to die from a little germ that floats in the air, supposedly. And folks, listen. You never know when you're going to have a heart attack from overeating because you're in the house all the time. Say amen right there. I ain't worried about dying from the virus. I'm dying. I'm worried about dying from eating chicken and biscuits and gravy. I mean, I tell you what, I've never eaten so good in my life. My wife's better than any restaurant around here. Amen. Praise God. I hope she don't get over this. Amen. When the restaurants all open up, we probably have to go out and eat again. It's been good that far, this far. Praise God, desserts. I have desserts for breakfast. I was rejoicing yesterday morning with Krispy Kreme donuts for dessert for breakfast. Amen. Praise God. We ought to enjoy our life a little bit. Say amen. Y'all can go in quarantine, but you don't have to die. Pardon the expression. 
But folks, the grace of God, the grace of God sustains us through times like these. You can still keep your smile while you're, while you're weeping. You can still have hope. And folks, listen, we're the only people that can cry and smile at the same time because we have hope. Brother, Brother uh, Howard, it's hard to say goodbye to a daughter, Pamela. It's hard. It's hard to say goodbye to a good pastor like Brother Sammy Allen. It's hard. It's hard to say goodbye. But it's only good night to those that are saved because you'll see them again. But if you're not saved, you'll never see your loved ones again because hell is a dark place. And so, folks, listen, what's Christmas all about? It's that Jesus took your hell for you. Jesus took your place, took your death. Look at this. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, He owned it all. He named every star. And He came out and stepped out of glory. And yet for your sakes He became what? Poor. That ye through His poverty might be rich. Folks, listen. Jesus didn't have much on this earth. But I'll tell you this. He had a mission and a commission, and he was still God. I mean, listen, to pay his taxes, he had to take money out of a fish's mouth. That's pretty good, isn't it? Amen? Um, to finance the treacherous journey to, uh, to get out of uh, to, to Bethlehem, he had to have some people go across country and give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Ever thought about that? Somebody gave him traveling means to get out to get out of town. Joseph to get out of town with his son. When he died, he, the only possession that he had was an expensive garment that they gambled for. And somebody probably gave it to him. When you think about his life, most of everything he had was borrowed. How many's ever had somebody borrow something and didn't return it? Man, somebody getting bitter about that. Trying to think about if I got borrowed anything from y'all so I can get it back this afternoon. But he borrowed a, a boat and he preached in it. Luke chapter 5, verse 3. He borrowed a house which he lived in. Matthew 6, verse 14. He borrowed a donkey that he rode on. March chapter, Mark chapter 11. He borrowed a room to celebrate the Passover. Mark chapter 14. He borrowed a cross on which to die, and he borrowed a tomb in which to be buried. He gave up the claims to all that he owned and all that he had, and he made it all available to you because he gave it up. He was forsaken that you'd never be forsaken. He died that you'd never die. Folks, listen. He was alone and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So you can never have to feel or be forsaken by God. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. What's the meaning of Christmas? The meaning of Christmas is this. He died in your place. And he paid it all. Last but not least, his name declares His glory. In verse 33 of this salutation, there's a key word. It says, and He shall reign. 
and he shall reign. Folks, the next time he comes, there won't be no Calvary. The next time he comes, there won't be some stinking stable cradle to be born, bear, born in. The next time he comes, he won't have to borrow a tomb. He won't have to borrow a donkey. He won't have to borrow, he won't have to have a robe given to him. The next time he comes, he'll come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that he was, but that he did not portray to die for your sins. While Jesus lived on this world, no one recognized his majesty, his glory, and even his authority. No one really saw him for what he was. Isaiah, Isaiah said he was bruised for your iniquities. He was chastened for your peace. He was a lamb to the slaughter. Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah 52, listen to me now, verse 14, was marred beyond recognition. You know what that's saying? It's saying that he was beat to a pulp. He was beat beyond recognition. It astonished people. The Bible says, Isaiah 52, 743 years before the fact that he was beat and bruised, scourged, abused, executed. Why? Because Jesus, yes, he's the Son of God. And yes, he'll come back one, one day. Praise God, he came to rescue and redeem you from your sins. I want you to look at one verse, or a few verses in closing. It's time to go. Revelation, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2 summarizes Christmas as far as the cradle to the cross. Philippians chapter 2, look at it real quick. Seems like Christmas messages are real challenging to preach. Some of you preachers agree? But look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? What well, to be humble. What well, to be sacrificial. What well, to love others more than we, we love ourselves. It says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But the story doesn't end there. Look at verse 9, real quick. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's the name of, say it with me, Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. Every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that, say it with me, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ain't got time to go in Revelation. I'll close right there. But I want to say this in closing. It's not a matter 
of if you're going to bow. It's a matter of when, when you're going to bow. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. And folks, I want to say this. As Brother Al taught in Sunday school, when I bow, I sometimes pray, dear God, help me get up. It's harder to get up. I never thought I'd come to this. I never thought I'd come to where I'd have to really pray I could get up. Because I'd rather stay down. But I want to tell you something. The world and all its cockiness, and the world and all its flaunting of all that it's done and all that it thinks it's doing, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Shaking their fist at God and saying, I don't like, I don't like what you call marriage. So we'll have same-sex marriage. I'm going to ruin this pretty Christmas music right now. And I don't like uh, your plan of a husband and wife for a lifetime. I'd rather just have two men together and two women together. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You can shake your fist at God, and you can even shake your fist at God and shake your whole body at God and say, I don't like being a boy. I want to be a girl. I don't like being a girl. I want to be a boy. And folks, you can shake your fist at God and say, I'll be my own creator and I'll even remake my own body. And that's what's going on in the United States of America today. But I want to tell you something. One day, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that He's Lord and that He is God and that He is Creator and He is Sustainer. And they better bow right now and say, He is Savior. Oh, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. And folks, we should never take it for granted that we know Jesus, that we know God, that we know the Holy Spirit. And it's all because when He came to this earth, He came not just, show me, show, show me the cover page of that. He didn't come just to be born in a feed trough. He didn't come just to be born. He was born to live a perfect life. And He's the only one that's ever done that. By the way, sinner, all of us sinners. But he was born to one day go to the cross. And praise God, he was born to be crowned Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Lord of Lords of your life. Let me just say in closing this Christmas, you can put him with every other folklore you want to. You can put him under the tree with all the packages if you want to. Hey, you can put him outside in the shed like they did when he was about to be born. You can put him on the shelf. You can put him way down the priorities. You can, hey, hey, Christian, you can do this if you want to. You can, you can sit on the edge of doing nothing. You can be as just least committed as you possibly can be to Jesus. He'll let you get away with that. But one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He's Lord. And folks, if He's Lord, He needs to be Lord of your life right now. And so the best thing you can give Jesus 
is honor and respect in your whole life. Because I want to tell you something. He didn't create you for yourself. He created you for His glory. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for Christmas. But Lord, it's more, it's more than the incarnation. God, it is the resurrection. It's the ascension. And thank God, as I preached last Wednesday, it's the second coming. Lord, sure as you came the first time, you're coming the second time. And every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. Lord, I thank you for humbling yourself and giving up the splendor and glory of heaven. If that's not love, I don't know what love is for me. Dying on an old rugged cross, being buried in a barred tomb. Praise God, up from the grave you arose and 40 days later, after 500 people, over 500 people saw you, you ascended gloriously. And as you ascended, you said, I'm going to come back again and gather you up with me. Lord, thank you for the gift of Christmas. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I know I went 11 minutes over, but I think all of you would have watched overtime from Florida and game if it went in overtime, so don't you ever rush out on me. A lot of people watch it to its over. I know who won. Jesus Christ won. He won it at the cross of Calvary. Now today is the day of salvation. Today is a day of rededication. You can straddle the fence if you want to, but my, my mother used to say this, if you straddle the fence, you're going to fall back, backwards every time. You need to be totally committed. You need to give your life to Christ. Because He gave His all for you. And aren't you indebted? And aren't you grateful? Let me say, preacher, I know without a doubt if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I know because He came to earth and died in my place that I could go to heaven. I thank God that I was born into His family. And I know and understand the birth of Christ because I'm saved. Would you raise your hands to happy testimony that you know you're saved? You died today. Take your last breath. You know you go to heaven. How many glad you're saved? Say amen. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it great to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Think about it. Several could not raise your hand. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want, to, I want to ask you a question. Do you want to be saved? Would you like to go to heaven? Sure you would. But you know how you do that? You give your life to Jesus. That means you turn from your sin of unbelief and you give your life to God. Amen. It's wonderful. Put your hands in His hand and let His life be your life. Go to heaven. That's just a blessing. We're all closer to heaven. Let's talk Sunday school this morning. We're one more heartbeat closer. Let me say, preacher, I'm not saved, but I sure would like to be, and I want you to pray for me. Because I think I've been taking life for granted. I don't want to take God for granted for sure. 
I'd like to be saved before it's too late. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? I won't embarrass you. won't come to you in any shape, fashion, or form. I just want to do the most I can do, but I want to pray for you. You just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for you. Anyone? Real quick. Has your heart got so hard that you don't even request prayer for your own soul? I almost got that hard. What I lived in. Praise God, the Lord saved me at a young age. I'm so glad. Anyone? Let me say, Preacher. I know several people's missing the whole point. I know several people that this is all about getting. It's all about fork lower. It's all about, it's all about the season. Can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. They better not tell me I can't say it. It's not happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas. Christ. Take Christ out of Christmas. All you got's an X. So thank God for the cross. You'd say, Preacher, I have a burden for people in my family, in my associations, in my friendship. They're going to miss the whole point of Christmas, and they might miss the whole point of life because Jesus is not Lord in their life. And I want you to pray with me for them. Would you slip your hand up on their behalf? All over this place. All over. God help us never lose a burden for those that are out of the will of God. Father, thank you for the message. It's been hard to preach this morning. Sometimes I can say it's easy, but sometimes it's hard. Maybe, dear Lord, the devil just don't want me to preach on Jesus. <laughs> That's probably it. The devil just wants to hinder the, the, the message on Jesus. Lord, I know the word went came forth, and I know the word's going to take root. I pray, God, you just bless Bless these folks. I to have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God, to have a holy life and then a happy life. We praise you in Jesus' name.